I cannot believe you clicked on this podcast again. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> Where Moon, the hell did I end up? It's Moon P. Jug and Hobbs, everybody. Why don't we meet everybody on the show? P. Jug, how are you? Hey, I'm good. P. Jug here. She says that every week. P. Jug here. Yep. I have uh, like clips that I take out of each podcast. <laughs> and one time our podcast, the entire 60 minutes, is just going to be her saying P jug here, right? <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be as messed up as we've ever had? And, and we've had some really terribly messed up podcasts. And Hobbs is here. Hey, Hobbs. Hey, how are you doing? <laughs> Pretty good. Thanks for uh, that intro. Yeah. I, I, sorry, it took me a, a minute to get to you, but I've been so busy today. Uh, one day a month, I've got to go to a urologist's office and I have to have my catheter changed. Now, I don't know if you know what a catheter is, but it removes uh, urine from your bladder and you don't have to even think about it. The urine just goes. Okay. The first time they put the catheter in, this sucker is like, oh man, it's over 12 inches long. And that thing's going into my wow. urethra. I'm impressed, right? dude. 12 inches. Did they have to get well, extra extra catheter for you? <laughs> I had to get the Trojan cat. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Give me the biggest one you've got. Yeah. And so when I'm looking at that, I'm thinking, that's going into my pecker. This is not good. And then P Jug says, don't say pecker. She hates the word pecker. What word would you rather have? Just say penis. Don't say pecker. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, anyway, so uh, they then they slide this thing. They put some lidocaine and some lubricant. Sure. And then they slide that baby in there, right? And then they and take I'm you thinking, out to dinner. <laughs> 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 yep. And, and that's not so bad, but then you got to take them out. And there's a balloon on the end of one of these things, and that's Ooh. what keeps it anchored on the inside of your bladder. So on 4th of July, we go to a party. Uh, I come down and it's time for me to go to bed. And, and if you're wondering, why does he have a catheter? If you're new to moon P jug and Hobbs, I have multiple sclerosis. I have an advanced case. I'm on the downhill slide. Get out the urns. I'm this far from there. We go to the party. We come back over here. I have to have a lift that takes me out of my wheelchair and then drops me in bed. Like kind of like those claw machines that you used to like to play with at the mall. Okay. okay. So anyway, they're lifting me up out of the uh, chair. And what happens is for some reason I start to spin Ooh. and I spun too far from where the bag was and it yanked it, ballooned it all fl God. right through my penis. Oh God. Right. And I am screaming. I yeah. mean, screaming. And, and P Jug's like, what did I do? I go nine, one, one. I can't even speak. My eyes are crossed. So anyway, the guys show up in the ambulance. Okay, how you doing? I go, not well. <laughs> yeah, not in my best spirits at the moment. Yeah. And so then what happens is they say, well, we can't replace that. You're going to have to go to the doctor. I'm like, holy balls. I, I said, am I going to die if I don't go to a, a hospital right now? Yeah, you probably won't die. I said, all right, good night, guys. I go, oh, my God. What was that about, right? Well, so then I thought that's never going to happen again. So what I did was I opted for what's called a supra pubic catheter. So what they do is you go to a urologist and they take you and they put you completely out. And it's about a two hour surgery. 
they take a drill, they drill it above your pubic hair, and they put in a permanent <laughs> tube that, you know, you just pee from. Jesus, just, I thought this story couldn't get any worse. Okay. <laughs> so into your pubic region just above yeah. the airline, or as Moon used to refer to it in the office, the danger zone. <laughs> Okay. That is the danger zone. Okay. Welcome to the top of the show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so anyway, then now I've got this super pubic catheter. And well, now I have to have it changed once a month. Well, the, my doctor, who is a good, great surgeon, uh, he's never done me wrong, not talking smack. This guy has no personality. I don't know if he doesn't want to bond with his patients or or what it is, but he doesn't look at me. He doesn't say my name. It's like talking to, it's like watching paint dry, you know, and I'm in there throwing my best stuff at him. Oh, wow. Nothing. Yeah. So then today I go in. He doesn't think you're funny. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> you're a no. urologist. Just like, don't you want a uro urologist that's just kind of neutral about it? <laughs> <laughs> well, then like when they did the surgery, I threw this at him and I thought this was a winner. Okay. I'm with the anesthesiologist. And he said, uh, we're going to put this oxygen mask on you. And I said, I'm totally claustrophobic. Don't be putting that thing on. And I started putting it on. I started freaking out. I go, dude, I said, give me the half dose of what killed Prince on his last day. Right now. <laughs> right? <laughs> and I thought somebody would laugh. Well, the anesthesiologist and the, and the staff, there's like 10 of them in the room for surgery. Yeah. They're all busting a gut. And my urologist is just nothing, right? Zero. Oh, that's thinking, your worst nightmare when you're just throwing zingers and they're just not <laughs> picking up any of it. Crickets. Right. So then I go in today and these two nurses, I said, was my doctor in? They said, no, he's out at the other clinic uh, today. Uh, did you need to speak with him? I said, no, I just want to know, has that man ever smiled? I said, does he have a soul? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and they start laughing. And I'm like, oh, seriously. But You're anyway. like a comedian that just can't let go of that one bad set three years ago. Like, they didn't laugh at anything, but you can't let it go. It just yeah. keeps coming back. Keeps I, I did back. print stuff, and he, nothing, nothing out of this guy. Well, let's introduce now that it's been like 15 minutes. Uh, our guest. Yes. As a matter of fact, we don't have time for a guest now. Shit. That's it's terrible. been fun. It's That's been not fun. true. Otherwise, he's just going to keep talking about his urologist. He's really obsessed with this guy not laughing at his stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. It's Emma Villanueva from Houston, Texas, everybody. Hey, welcome. welcome. Thank you. Good afternoon. I'm just so, excited to meet Emma because I heard we're going to trauma bond, but you'll explain, Moon. <laughs> oh, okay. Trauma bond. That's interesting. Yep. They're going to trauma bond. Now, here's the reason they would do that. And P-Jug, you can relate to a lot of this as well. So it's uh -huh. three against one in this situation. Yes. Uh, so here's the thing. Okay. Uh, when I moved to Houston, Texas, I knew not a single person in the entire state. There was a man that interviewed me, but that had the exact same personality as my urologist. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, his name was Pat. Love that man but he didn't have a hell of a lot to say. I'm in a job interview and you're sitting there waiting for him to ask questions and nothing. And I'm just sitting there spewing. I met my partner, lovely lady named Susan, loved her then, love her now. When I went to my first day, I met Emma Villanueva and she was the producer 
of the Larry and Susan show. The Larry that was there before me was Larry Morgan. So when they were going to hire me, they didn't have to change any of their, you know, their <laughs> stuff that had been branded uh, because it was another guy named Larry. Right. Uh -huh. And so I meet Emma and I'm thinking, God, she's hot. Your right? wife is here, dude. <laughs> I mean, did you <laughs> So anyway, uh, you know, we think, well, how are we going to do this show? And what's it going to take to do better than the show that's on now? We start this show and the chemistry in this room is immediate. It happened right now. We sounded good from the very first day. 15 minutes after my first uh, words on KHMX, I had a tape and I was going to play back a phone call. And I said, Hey, I got a caller in the line that wants to talk about something. Let's go to the phones. Hi, mix 96.5. And I hit the button and it said testicles, testicles. One, <laughs> One two, two, three. three. <laughs> <laughs> because when I was record, I was testing the recorder and I forgot that that part of the stuff was on there. Oh, it was your voice saying it that. was my voice. <laughs> You know what's funny is that I occasionally will do that. I'll, instead of testing one, two, three, I'll do yep. testicles, testicles, one, two, three. <laughs> and Emma, you're the producer going, huh? <laughs> this do is we, going well so far. Do we don't? Do I we... think we're going to be in the boss's office later today. Yeah. <laughs> I'm seeing my future. It's a meeting. <laughs> He did ask me about that, by the way. He's like, oh, you know, early on in the show, you were saying testicles, testicles, one, two, three. What was that about? I go, I don't know. I said, right. And we had so many other things go wrong on that show that were similar. We did a fundraiser for a police officer uh, who lost his line, uh, life in the line of duty. His name was Guy Gaddis. It was like Smokey and the Bandit when we were raising money on the air by doing a request-a-thon for this uh, officer's family, all of the police cars from HPD, Harris County Sheriff. I mean, do you know how many cops there are in Houston? It's big. And it looked like a thousand cop cars right up post Oak Avenue. I mean, it looked like something out of a movie. And they came by with the helicopter and they shined their spotlight from the helicopter in our 23rd floor uh, studio window. Cool. And so what do you do when that happens? You drop your pants. You <laughs> mooned them, quote unquote. I dropped my pants and about 20 minutes later, we get a phone call. Hey, uh, you know, thanks a lot for helping us raise money for the, you know, the 100 Club, which is a club they have there and the fundraiser for the Guy Gaddis family. And who pulled down their pants, right? <laughs> and this was in a fundraiser for a terribly serious topic. But we made it work and we raised a lot of money for him over 200,000 bucks. A lot of things happened to that station. Emma, what was some of your memories? Oh my gosh. You know, I was just thinking about what you just said. And all of this was pre social media. So, like, yep. think about that. No Facebook, no Twitter, no YouTube, nothing. And just the response that we would get from our listeners, from the community, it was so overwhelming. Um, Christmas Wish was something that was always so moving and touching. Um, I don't know if you carried that through moon to some of your other shows that you went on to do. I did hear we did Christmas wish with uh, one of the casinos as the sponsor. Yeah. The most moving Christmas wish we would take letters, literally letters, not emails mm -hmm. or texts, 
letters, handwritten letters of families that needed something and they would ask for whatever. And uh, one of the most memorable things I've ever done on the air ended up with me in a lawsuit. Mm. Uh, but one of the Christmas wish letters was there was a very wealthy oil man. He worked for like Gulf or Shell or one of the big ones. And uh, he had uh, diabetes and he was overweight and he smoked. Well, guess what? He ended up losing a leg. And when they took his leg, he became very depressed and he never left his house again. He became a bad alcoholic. It was just a tragic story. And his daughter wrote a letter and she said, you know something? If he could have a leg, right, and he would leave his home and start circulating with some of his old friends, you know, we think that he would come out of this funk. So I get on the phone and I call the Houston Medical Center area. And I found me a surgeon. I found me a leg and we got him donated. And it took about nine months for the guy to get the prosthetic leg on. His daughter's final words in her letter were, I just want one more dance with my dad. Aww. Yeah. And the guy came in and we danced in the studio and we had just gotten a webcam, right? We had just started with the camera on the internet. And, uh, and we broad broadcast that to our listeners mm -hmm. and it was magical. And then the second magical moment was when we had a woman call in, there was a fire in a, in a, uh, multi dwelling household and it burnt the entire place down. Four families lost everything. Oh God. And somebody had written a letter describing what had happened. I had a friend, his name was Gio. We put him on the air. He talked up his company a little bit, what he did for a living. And then he donated a hundred thousand dollars so Ooh. that this woman could have free rent, uh, new clothing, you know, new couches, new furniture, everything for her kids. And they wanted to make sure she could kind of restart her life. Right. We find out later she's an arsonist. Okay. No. Yep. Yep. No. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. So guess what happens? Uh, we decide as a radio station to yank the prize. Yeah. But because this woman had a lawyer, they subpoenaed us to provide uh, audio giving we're awarding her the prize. And so since we literally on air awarded her the prize, yeah, she can't. got to keep the hundred grand. You can't read while it. she was in jail. It's unheard of. Mm, probably not. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, yeah. Now, nowadays, of, nowadays, is, is it really that shocking, though, nowadays, compared to what's going on in the world? <laughs> yeah. Contesting is one of those things, though. Once you say it on the air, yep. right. that's it. Right. That's it. Yeah. So uh, the other morning, P. Jug and I are in bed. It's five minutes to seven. I never get up early, ever. Okay. And it's somebody, a friend of mine from Houston, and her name was Pat. And Pat is a friend of mine from many years ago. And uh, there's somebody that we know that is in hospice right now. When the phone rang, I'm thinking, uh-oh, Paul's died. That's what I thought, right? And I was kind of pissed. And I'm thinking, I hope he's okay. But So anyway, I click on my computer, and I've got a Facebook message from Pat on Messenger. 
and it said, hi, how are you doing? And I hadn't talked to her in a long time. I said, I'm not well, actually. I have a super pubic catheter. <laughs> I mean, how good do you think? It really sounds like you're bragging. <laughs> Talk about <I> <laughs> It sounds like you're flexing in a really bizarre way. <laughs> so anyway, I say to her, I say, look, I'm doing okay. I said, you know, you called a little early for me. Uh, what's going on? And she said, I just wanted to let you know about this new program for people with disabilities. And uh, if you contact this person, they will be able to help you to finance some, uh, you know, things like ramps or whatever you need, blah, 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 wheelchairs. I go, okay, great. Turns out, I find out last night from my ex-wife, she'd been hacked. Right? She'd been hacked. All right. And And so... Targeting so, someone with a disability. Yep. yep. And they're fishing okay. for information. There you go. Yeah. They write me back today. Did you reach out to so-and-so? I said, yes, I did reach out. It worked out great. They paid off my house. They paid off my car. <laughs> they gave me $400,000 to buy weed. And I bought some guns that I can shoot scammers with. Right? Leave it to Larry. (laughs) I get a message back five minutes later from whoever hacked, right? And they go, LOL. So anyway, people fishing for information. It's like a tip of the hat from one hacker. Like, LOL, you saw through my crap. (laughs) Kudos to you, sir. Oh, my God. Yeah. uh, And then I thought about, you know, because we talk about comedy on this show a lot. Because Hobbs does stand up under the name Tiffany Norton. And uh, she just performed at the House of Comedy a couple of weeks ago. We, I don't know if you got any upcoming shows or whatever, but, uh, you know, I watch a lot of stand-up. Brian Regan was in town a couple of nights ago. And guess what? We used to have him on the show in Houston when we used to have all the comedians in from the Laugh Stop. Do you remember when we used to have Joe Rogan on the yes. show? And yes. look at how he has blown up. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I remember like five, six different times. He just, you know, Joe Rogan coming on the show, just hanging out. Oh yeah. I mean, some of the people we had in one of my favorites uh, was one night Cheech from Cheech and Chong was in town uh, playing golf in a movie called Tin Cup. Mm. Okay. They played it at one of the local golf courses there. And so Cheech came in with Richard Lewis I love him. Oh my God. Yeah. They were on at the same time. <laughs> oh my God. That's awesome. Okay. So Richard Lewis and Cheech from Cheech and Chong are sitting there going after it. Right. And they wouldn't shut up. And I had to do a break. Right. Cause we had to do traffic and play commercials or whatever. And I tried to butt in a couple of times and I said, Hey, you guys, we got to take a shit break. Ooh. And he's like a shit break. Like, <laughs> I short. We need to take a short break. Short. <laughs> or a shit break, which would be a longer break. Depending well, on how think, much coffee it had. <laughs> and do you think Richard Lewis was going to let that go? No. <laughs> Larry, do you remember the time that we had Blondie? We had moved buildings to uh, the other building up towards uh, Richmond. Blondie came up the elevator. I went to go meet her. Uh, the elevator door opens up. It's like a, a cloud of smoke <laughs> oh, yeah. it's like it's like the, the you know just smoke yeah. everywhere yeah. Yes. Her, debbie, harry. Yes. debbie harry her and her manager 
She's wearing black shades. Uh, you know, you can't see her eyes. It's like uh, 7 a.m. She is high as a kite. And if you recall, Bridget <laughs> tried to start uh, rapping Rapture because she was oh, a God. huge Debbie Harry fan. So yep. uh, she gets going. Bridget's going. She's rapping. And uh, if you recall, uh, Debbie Harry was not, Blondie was not impressed. <laughs> you remember that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Some oh, yes. of the things that we experienced, saw, and went through just on the show, backstage, at events. It's just, I was trying to, like, rack my brain thinking of, like, you know, I know you were going to ask me, you know, like, what what can I, you know, talk about? And it's like, so much. It's like, I feel like I should have wrote this down. Like, all these, <laughs> all these, you know, things that we went through. One of the good ones was Rod Stewart came in. Okay. I'll, I'll never forget this. I did a fake armadillo racetrack right because they don't have armadillos that race like the horses or dogs but i made one sound like it really existed and we had a guy be a play-by-play -play announcer and each one of the dillos that was going to be in the race was named after one of rod stewart's ex-wives and his manager went completely <laughs> crazy on us and she went into my boss's office and said do you have any idea that that was going to happen? Because Mr. Stewart was horribly offended. And how could you do Whatever. this to him? You, we're not giving you any tickets to give away, blah, blah, blah. And Rod Stewart was in with us and he thought it was hilarious, yeah. right? I mean, all of his songs were about like picking up ladies from bars. That's his <laughs> whole, that was his whole act. Boz Skaggs came in and played live. Oh, no. mm. Have you ever made a list of, I mean, from Matthew McConaughey, we had Stevie Nicks on the air. I mean, so many different people that we had. We had Jimmy yes. Buffett on. I used to go to Buffett shows, you know, he went, when, I, when he went on tour, he played two nights or three nights. I'd go every night he was there. Ron White, the comedian, would come in and see us. He was always drinking and smoking. We had Oprah. Yep. which was amazing. Yep. Uh, I remember Laura Bush, when she was the first lady, yep. uh, called our show because she was going to do a literacy event. And I picked up the phone and I said, hi, who's this? She said, this is Laura Bush. I said, you're <laughs> caller number nine. Right? <laughs> Leave it to Larry. <laughs> This then, is the stuff uh, we had to put with on a, put up with on a daily. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we had Wayne Newton, right? Wayne Newton was on the show, and I sang to him when he was on the show, Donka Shane. And uh, what happened was that was you know this old old school guy that was known like the king of Vegas, and uh, so anyway, you know Wayne Newton says to me, you know you're pretty good. You want to come see my show and get up on stage? said hell yeah right so we went to a place called the arena theater and there i am singing on stage with a gold microphone donka shade yeah i got to sing with wayne newton right <laughs> here's another thing we did this freaked me out do you know the the guys that go across the skyscrapers on the high wire uh the uh, sure. flying Walendas? Walendas, yeah, yeah 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 okay and now you see them like they go across skyscrapers in chicago and you know, all kinds of crazy places. The father's name was Tino Walenda. And we went out to a, a circus and I rode on his shoulders across the high wire with no <laughs> net or harness, right? And, and at that point, I'm not nearly as fat as I am now, right? 
but Why I was still so... drinking at this point because I would <laughs> no. need to be. Well, no, well, he guys, wasn't. I wasn't. I was dry as a bone. Yeah. So when I when I get to the top of the uh, the the uh, you know the ladder and all that, I'm like, oh crap! I forgot my harness. He goes, you don't need it. I go, oh yeah, dude, I totally need it, right? And he's like, I do this with my children every night. That's grounds to call child yeah. services, but yeah. Right. <laughs> so I climb on Mr. Walinda's back and we go across the high wire, right? We were trying to raise money with Chuck Norris, of all people. Uh, Chuck was based out of Dallas at that time. We were raising money for the dare programs to keep kids sober and to teach them about alcohol and drugs. And uh, what we came up with was an idea that we would sit in every seat in the Astrodome. There's <laughs> 70,000 seats, 70,000 seats. So me, Susan, my partner and Emma start sitting in these seats. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. We're going to be here for days. Yeah, it's going <laughs> to take forever. So then what we do is we we make an on-air plea, and we have uh, some people uh, call some people. And then the next thing you know, TV anchors were coming ah. out to help us guest sit. And then they would put that on TV, and then more people would come. And nice. then we had, you know, we had uh, people there uh, that were professional athletes from the Astros, from the Rockets, uh, from the <laughs> Rockets, the Oilers. And yeah. we sat in all 70,000 seats. And then we got to hang out with Chuck Norris. If Larry could get uh, TV involved, it was happening. Larry was a media whore. I'll just go oh, ahead and say that. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he's always like, yeah. there was a camera around. Larry was in front of him. Yeah. <laughs> he's the guy who always says, you could sell that. Salespeople loved Larry because oh, yeah. Larry made them some money on the side. Oh, like, yeah. I've got a sponsor for you. Let me call my guy. I know a guy. Because <laughs> <laughs> I knew everybody. When yeah, I did, did the morning show, I absolutely knew. I circulated all the time. Network, network, network. Uh, one of the guys I worked with a lot was a guy named Mattress Mac. And oh. Mattress Mac just lost like $9 million, I believe, on the last yes, Super Bowl. Yes, he did. That was your dude that you've been telling me about, the guy who does the contest about like whoever wins and then you get free furniture or whatever. His story is such an amazing story of how he started out selling furniture in the city of Houston. Uh, him and his wife, one store on the north side of Houston, to talk about a success story of where he is now with a beautiful store off of Post Oak Boulevard in the heart of the Galleria. Um, and then, but you know what? I think for him, success is is inevitable because the guy gives so much back to the community and people in need. Anytime here in Houston that we've had uh, any type of a tragic uh, event like up uh, let's just say a hurricane uh he would open up his store and and, yeah. and if if your home was flooded and 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 you didn't have electricity and you didn't have food and you didn't have a car you could go stay at his wow. uh at his uh, establishment you know and he'd feed you and you could sleep on the furniture sleep on a mattress sleep on a couch when yeah. the houston rockets won the uh, nba title uh mattress mac was a promotional genius and we put together a deal where we offered the coach, Rudy Tomjanovich, $100,000 along with Akeem Olajuwon, 100000 to show up at the very first event after the NBA title was won. 
uh, or even if they just got through the first round of the playoff. We did it hoping they would get through, and by God, they did. And so uh, we came up with a couple hundred thousand dollars that we got from sponsors, including Mattress Mac and Gallery Furniture. And the next thing you know, we host at the Astrodome in front of over 70,000 people this citywide celebration. And it's me and Mattress Mac and my partner, Susan. And I am scared. I have never been in front of that many people. The place was packed and it was broadcast on Channel 11 KHOU-TV. And this was live and I was on the air. So I'm the first one to speak. I run out on stage. I'm totally nervous. And I yell, Houston, are you ready to party? (laughs) And I blew the monitor speakers on the stage. And the rest of the night, we just echoed. You know, we would say stuff. We wouldn't hear it for two minutes. The dome was big. Yeah, Yeah, it was. And think of all the concerts we went to. Uh, one of my favorite uh, stories there was, oh, my God, Sting. Sting yep. came in, and he was on the show with us, I don't know how many times. We give away tickets to his sound check, and they're having it at a place called The Summit, which is now Joel Osteen's church. We go to this sound check with, like, 10 listeners, and while they're warming up, they're waiting for Lyle Lovett to come on stage to play with Sting because they're buddies and Lyle's from Houston. They're in a, a point where they're talking about how they're going to do something on stage. And my phone starts ringing and we were not supposed to have our phones on. <laughs> and, it, and he's like, and Sting turns around, whose phone is that? And you can see it. It's lighting up in my pants. Right. <laughs> he goes, give me, give me your phone. What are you wearing? Gauze? What are you wearing? Like, um, <laughs> we were some of the first uh, people in Houston to have Sprint phones. Do you remember that, Larry? Absolutely. Do you know that when Sprint was launched, we helped launch their digital platform? Wow. Oh, my God. It was crazy. I did all their commercials. I ended up uh, becoming really good friends with her name was Ann from Sprint and we would do promotions with them such as having Colby Donaldson, one of the best looking guys that ever hit survivor on CBS. I remember Colby. I didn't know his last oh, name. Yeah. Oh that yeah. Was huge. I remember Colby. Yeah. And then what happened was he ended up going on with Rachel Ray after he got out of survivor. But uh, so we have Colby Donaldson going to do a morning show broadcast live with the man Berkeley eye center. And they did like the very first LASIK procedures in the whole country. Right. And then we were going to have a lunch with him and that was a fundraising lunch. So big money to get in for a good cause. Then we had an evening, uh, a happy hour with him at a big club. Okay. I was so at he, that. <laughs> yep. So, so he shows up in the morning and he is still hammered from the night before. Nice. He is stinking a boy. <laughs> yeah. It's 7 a.m. and I'm like, oh, dude, man, brush your teeth. Right? He's been <laughs> on an island, dude. You don't even know. You know what he right? went through? He had to eat iguanas and stuff. <laughs> well, you remember my buddy we had on from Survivor that lives here. Yeah. Right? The yeah. oldest guy that's ever been on Survivor is a really good friend of mine. Right? It's, it's, it's I'm crazy. not surprised. Of course not. Right? So, no. anyway. Then Colby shows up at the dinner and, and or at the lunch, and the girls are going crazy, just nuts. And we raised a lot of money. 
And then when we're going to go to the uh, the uh, happy hour, you know, Survivor ends with Jeff Probst flying in in a, in a helicopter, right? And he lands, and then they've got the you know the the winner or whatever of the of the final episode of Survivor. So we thought, well, let's come in like Survivor. So I rented a helicopter. I took my partner at that time, Bridget Taylor, with me and uh, Colby, right? And we get in this helicopter, and we're cruising over Houston in the middle of rush hour. And the uh, the pilot, I said, where do we land? And he goes, well, right over there. And it was about two blocks away from where the club was. I told him, well, you can park closer than that. He goes, if we do, I'll get a, I'll get a fine from the FAA. I said, how much is a fine? He said, 500 bucks. I said, to put it down right in the middle of this, right? So I had this helicopter landing amongst all these horny women. <laughs> is this like, this is how every porno starts in my mind. I don't watch porn, but just you on a helicopter with another good looking dude, 500 horny women. At the end, it became very ugly. Okay. Ooh. They wanted to fire me so bad, hmm. but it was hard because I had made friends with all these clients. I had a ton of clients. You think it was the FCC and the FAA that were, <laughs> were they, were they maybe, was there maybe a reason, <laughs> you know, Looking behind that, hmm. you know, well, so, so anyway, they want to fire me and they want to fire my partner, Bridget at that time. And what happened was there was a, a story that came out about pregnancy and the insurance coverage through workplace policies. Okay. And Bridget, for some reason, when we started talking about it, she went off on Clear Channel and how they didn't cover her, her baby. Mm. Right. Cool. Yeah. Well, when was this? Like roughly year-wise. Oh, God. Uh, Early 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's right. Because, I mean, I remember when I, like, in 98, when I was pregnant at a large bank. Yeah. And they were like, oh, if you get hired and you're pregnant, that's a pre-existing condition and we don't have to pay for it. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's that's new stuff for well, women. They called her in and fired her right after she no said all that shit. stuff about wow. You could yeah. sue like hell now. Right. Well, yeah, you couldn't do that now. No. But uh, so anyway, now Bridget's gone, and it's me and Emma. Right? <laughs> Emma's like, unleash, oh, unleash the hounds. Right. Yes. Emma's also like, thank you for getting that up. Like, I love you. Love you, Brad. Mean it, mean it. We'll still be friends forever and ever. But. No, I mean, the end was, yeah, the end was difficult. It was tough. I mean, I think it took my, I'm, I'm speaking for myself, obviously, but it took years to get over and get through the life that we led, everything as a family, as a unit. I mean, uh -huh. you're spending, you guys know, you're, you're in a room, you're locked in a room with, you know, two, three, four other people for five, six hours. Uh, afterwards, you're, you're prepping after the show, uh, uh, events, weekends, nights, club appearances, this, that. I mean, it's like your constant, thank God there wasn't social media. Talk about overload. Right. We had had yeah. social media back then, but it was, it was pretty difficult, you know, to get through. It was. And then, so it's Emma and I, and I have on video, 
a promotion we did. I don't know if you remember oh, this God. one. But I have this one on video. Uh, <laughs> there is a guy, and he's known as radio's best friend, Art Volo, right? I know and that he, name. And he did Volo video checks. So he would go to radio stations across the country, and he would tape shows. And then uh, at that point in time, you know, there was no online stream. So if a manager wanted to listen to another show, get some ideas or promotional stuff, right? Well, what would happen is you'd have to fly into another city to listen to a show you wanted to hire. Well, with uh, Volo video checks, you could just play the video of these guys and you could see what their show was like. And Emma and I did one when NSYNC was coming to town <laughs> and we did a thing called Instinct for NSYNC. <laughs> that, that was guess whose idea that was moon is a very literal guy when you're doing this <laughs> you know, it sounds like yeah so anyway uh people had to call us from stinky places right <laughs> and it was bad and then when i got up That's here actually I better than where i thought it was gonna go <laughs> in the pink, you figure it out. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm actually pleased with that. Hey, when I got up here, I spun that bit, and it would be a question, and I would ask, "What weird smell are you smelling right now?" Oh yeah, he right? would. He would do that bit. What smell are you smelling? <laughs> yeah, what, 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 what direction are you going right now? See, right. Emma, you haven't seen him towards the end of the career. It was like it was a glimmer. <laughs> Of all these great bits, but it was also like it was yeah, more like low. are you looking straight forward or to the left or to the right? <laughs> I'm glad I missed all that. Uh, <laughs> How are you smelling? And people actually it was funny because I because my our program director called me and he's like He's like, what is he doing with this? I said, I'm, I'm not going to lie, dude. Like, the phone's lit up. Everybody wanted to tell us what they were smelling for some reason. You know, it's a very open-ended question. Everybody can bond with it. They all have a distinct answer. Oh, my God. One time so, I came on and I said, is there anyone listening right now who's high? So I get called into the office about you can't do bits about, you know, intoxicated people during drive time there's children listening and we're in the bible belt <laughs> and i said i've been told i've been in the bible belt on every radio station i've ever been at and so the next day i go in and i said i got 50 bucks if you can answer some simple questions call now and people call <laughs> up and i said hey you know yesterday i was in the boss's office and i was told that this is the bible belt <laughs> And I said, can you give me the Ten Commandments? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's no longer the Bible Belt now. I mean, no. they, were able to, they were able to use that then, but yeah, that's, that's not yeah. going to work now. <laughs> so all these callers are calling in, and nobody knows the Ten Commandments. So I'm back in the GM's office again. <laughs> and he's like going, God, please stop being an Are we going to allow Emma to talk about her view oh, yes. of working with you? Yes, because I'll shut up right it, now. It's been it's been it's been a lovely walk down Moon Lane. <laughs> but so you guys want to know what it was like to work with Larry? Don't you guys already? Do you want to hear more? <laughs> we do, but I, I'm curious. I'm curious about Texas Moon. I'm Texas. curious about Texas Larry. Uh, Texas Larry. Texas Larry loved golf. Yep. Texas Larry started his 
family here, uh, second half of your family here. I ended up loving Texas. I started out by living in a house down in the Galleria. Uh, I was an apartment, and then I moved to Missouri City, and then I moved to Katy, uh, where Renee Zellweger is from. I've been watching a new Renee Zellweger uh, show that just premiered right after NBC's This Is Us. It's really good, you guys. Check it out. Okay. Yeah. Because I like her. I feel like she hasn't. She was good in that Judy Garland thing, but that's a, besides. She the point. was amazing. When did you sweat it the most when you were working with Moon as his producer? <laughs> You're like, oh shit, we're going to the office. Well, <laughs> we knew. I automatically knew. Like okay. Larry would crack open the mic and it was a roll of the dice. <laughs> yes. It was a roll of the dice, depending on what was happening. Thank God. Again, going back to we didn't have there was no social media, there was no Facebook, there was no Twitter, because no telling what would have gone down. And it oh, would yeah. have been videotaped and recorded and, and mm -hmm. we we'd never live it down. But the the hotline would ring in the studio, oh, okay. like the, the bat phone. That, that right? makes the, your stomach sink. Yes, the, the bright red light. You're like, oh, right? God. And of course, I'd, I, would, I would answer it as one of my jobs. Hello? Tell Moon, tell Moon that I'm in the car and I heard him say, blah, 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 blah. You guys, when you're off the air, meet me in my office. Yeah. <laughs> Click. Well, you had it too. Okay, good. I remember several times when we left the show at like 10 o'clock in the morning and there was a little grocery store with a, a breakfast place in it. We would go over there and George Bush and Barbara were in there. Oh, right? the little pharmacy down the street on Post Oak Boulevard. Are you talking about the pharmacy that you would the yep. like it had a little like fountain, what they call it from back in the day, like bar stools yep. and you can eat breakfast and sandwiches. Yeah, I think it was rice Epicurean. Yep. George and Babs. Yep. And there they would. And we'd sit there and hang out and talk to them. And they were so nice. At my rehearsal dinner to wife number two, I was sitting in this room and nobody was around. I'm thinking, what the hell's going on? I'm paying money per plate. And I went into the bar and there's Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top sitting there at the bar. Right? And that's what we did all night. And that was easy. I, I hung out for a whole night with Evander Holyfield. Who's from Houston, right? Yeah. The professional George boxer. Foreman. Remember George Foreman? We had George Foreman bring his grill in and cook us up uh, Rocky hamburgers. Mountain oysters or yeah. hamburgers or whatever it was. And I remember <laughs> we got in trouble. Rocky Mountain oysters? That's interesting. Oh, George Stephanopoulos came in. So I had my friend that ran a, a restaurant uh, make him some pastizio. And we brought it in. We served it up to George Stephanopoulos for breakfast at 7 a.m., right? And it was really good, okay? So when I go back to my buddy that made the pastizio, I said, hey, George wanted to say thanks. It was really good. And he goes, did you see I cut off part of the corner piece? And I go, I didn't really notice it was in tinfoil. And he said, I cut my finger and I bled in it. <laughs> I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm like going, we served George Stephanopoulos your blood. <laughs> oh, God. This blood, blood sausage is delicious. This is really good. This is authentic. Do you remember when we had Robert Shapiro from O.J. Yes. Simpson? Child? Well, yeah. and the Kardashian's dad. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Do you know that was one of the only times I really got nervous? The O.J. trial had just wrapped up. Yep. I mean, just wrapped up. He put out a book and he came in. I'll never forget it. And I was uh, presenting uh, that $200,000 check 
that we talked about earlier in this podcast from our fundraiser at the Houston Police Department the day that the OJ verdict was announced. Wow. Okay. So I'm sitting there with all those police officers when he got off. And how did they react? Be real. Oh, they were 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 cussing, throwing stuff. Yeah. I mean, they were pissed. Yeah. Uh, Anna Nicole Smith, when I was in Houston, was a big deal. Oh, yeah. That was when Beyonce just got her start. We went down to the Dome one time, and here comes like seven black Escalades. And these huge guys in suits get out of these Escalades. I'm thinking, holy balls, who's that? It's got to be like the the king of the the Sultan of Brunei, right? It was Beyonce. Beyonce. Right? It's freaking Beyonce. Do you you remember when, I'll never forget this, um, uh, one of uh, our coworkers shared this photo on Facebook, and it brought back memories. The program director came in. It wasn't Pat Paxson at the time. I can't think of the gentleman's name. Tall, skinny. Uh, Rich Anhorn was the music director. And they were looking for people to go into the conference room because there was a new up-and-coming artist um, that was going to play some songs. She was going to play some songs on her guitar. We all said no. Okay, PJ, who do you think it was? Okay, Texas. We're talking what year? Now, she's not from Texas. She's nearby. But it's a huge artist. Okay. What year? I don't know. Roughly. This has been 25 years ago. Roughly. Yeah, I'm going to say 25, 30 years ago. Okay. 95. So like, so like, okay. So like. And well, she was maybe at the time, uh, 15, 16, 14. Taylor Swift. No. Oh, no. 25, 30 years. That's too long. P-Jug's good at the, at the celebrity stuff. You think it's Jewel? Maybe. It might be Jewel. We're, we're having our pretend own contest. I'm here. thinking of somebody, but I can't place her name right now. She's from Louisiana. It's P Jug. It's P Jug. <laughs> oh my God. I didn't know you were I'll give you yourself. one more guess. Uh, Larry mentioned the group earlier, a group earlier. She dated someone from that group. She dated someone from the group he mentioned. Well, he said everything. Group. Was it Tiffany? Because that's no, what the music. it was Britney Spears. Oh, oh no, shit. Yeah. all right. I it was Britney. Britney Spears. We all yep. said, Yeah, no, we're busy, <laughs> right? <laughs> I think, but I mean, you know, I mean, but that, you know, kind it of it was a like young Britney Spears. Oh my god, that's fantastic. Well, good for her. We were going to interview Jewel, mm-hmm. and she was on a network where every eight minutes she would go to a different station, yeah, right? But we could yep. listen to her in queue. Sure. She didn't know I was rolling tape. She starts eating something and she belches and nice. she was talking. I don't know if she was talking about having a yeast infection or whatever it was. <laughs> you do? Right. But then I, I was putting this all on the air, right? Before we had her on. And, no, you know, you, come on. What the f- as B roll after? Because they always <laughs> monitor, they listen to oh, yeah. the on air. You do well, it like in the when you repeat the the uh, interview an hour later after you yeah. chopped it up. <laughs> well, I got called in on that one too. Yeah, I'm sure you and did. And the boss instituted something called the jewel rule. Right, (laughs) which you would never let me do that ever again, right? But I mean, these are the things uh, and some of the times that we had. Uh, Emma, you know, listen to this after she gets out of radio, the radio thing's kind of getting in her blood, and she doesn't really completely give it up because then she goes to work for a company 
and she books celebrity guests for radio shows. Tell us about all of that. Yeah. So afterwards, it's like you said, you can't get ready. Once it's in your blood, you guys know it's in your blood. Yeah. So I started working for Envision Radio, um, booking guests. Um, they had affiliates all across the U.S., Atlanta, uh, Boston, uh, Miami, Austin, Dallas, uh, Vegas, Detroit, you name it. I could, the list goes on and on. Um, so I had a, a pretty good career booking guests for them. I still kind of do a little bit of that, dabble a little bit of that on the side. I mean, that doesn't get out of your blood because once you do it, it's, you know, it's like I see something and it's like, you know, that would be a great radio interview. Yep. That would be a book. Uh, you know, maybe they released a book. Maybe they're going on tour. It's a comedy tour, whatever. It's like you're just it's instant when you're a producer. I mean, you know, Hobbs, it's in your blood. Well, it has a place. You're like, oh, that yes. has a place. It, it might not be everybody's place, but it's got a place. Right. Absolutely. Right. And one of the things that we didn't have that uh, shows have can take advantage of now is topical guests. Yeah. So, you know, because of social media, right? You know, like someone does something and it's like, next thing you know, they're instant celebrity. You know, their yep. Instagram goes from 50 people uh, to, you I know, know, 5 million people overnight. And, and you got to try to get that person. My role with the company became that. Nothing will ever compare to what we did at Mix 96.5. Oh my God, that's so cute, Moon. Yeah. What a love song this woman is giving you. Well, no, yeah, it, was. By the it way. was awesome. It was awesome. The highlight of my life. When I moved out to Las Vegas, I went into town and I listened to the market. I knew what was going to work. I knew what was going to get us to number one. Uh, I just needed a partner. And, you know, eventually we found one and the show took off right away. But the bosses hated me because I would do things that yeah. were not on brand. Larry Morgan had just left and you weren't Larry Morgan. You were Larry, but you weren't Larry Morgan. Right. Yep. And he played by the book. Yeah. You didn't. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> no. Imagine yeah. that. <laughs> well, and, and to tell you how good Larry was, Larry was on the air and still is to this day in L.A. Yeah. And yeah. he's super funny. He's a writer. I yeah. mean, he's got everything that I didn't have. I think I was more of kind of the. Little... You were comical. Larry was uh, more of the creative writer esque type. That was his background. Where yep. you were more of the, I'm just gonna do it. We're gonna say it. I'll ask for forgiveness later, <laughs> as I said earlier in the show. Moves <laughs> more organic. Okay, so yeah. like, okay, let me. I do want to ask one question. Yeah. Moon, what is your favorite memory of Emma? When did Emma pull your shit out of the fire? I think she pulled me out of the fire the entire last several months that I was there okay. yeah. because we were down to just the two of us. We had worked through like 10 or 11 program directors, uh, you know, oh. all the changes. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, corporate sellouts. I mean, we, when I yeah. got there, it was owned yeah. by nationwide communications and then that was sold and it went to J core J core was, you know, absorbed by, clear channel and clear channel was absorbed by iHeart. i mean it kind of morphed it wasn't really so there's succubuses is what you're telling me yeah and so yeah. because of all of that it was just me and emma right yeah. and you mm -hmm. know we just had to get through and we were trying not to get fired and you know emma eventually didn't you get fired right before i did no 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 you left before i did and i stayed on for about another two maybe three months when the new show that 
that had flown in, remember? And at like two or 3 a.m., they yep. went on for an hour. Yep. And they ended up getting hired. They are still here in Houston okay. um, doing a show. Good. But when right. I knew it was over, and, and it was never the same. I mean, it's like it's like you've been dating someone for 20 years, and all of a sudden there's this new person. It's just not the same. That person... Yeah. I don't not, with you like that. Yeah, exactly. I'm right. not, I'm not your family. I don't roll with you. This is a, now, now it's, it's a job. Now I feel like it's a job. I've got to do for you what I did for them, but I did it for them. I love them. I don't really know you guys that well. And I don't love you. So, but when I knew my career was over, was when the program director called us into a meeting one morning after we got off the air and said, okay, we need you to get us an interview with Brad Pitt Fuck. and Jennifer Aniston. Okay. Those are the kind of guests that we need and want for this new show. And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> okay, asshole. Uh, this is Houston, Texas. We weren't, we weren't the fourth largest city at the time. Um, these two celebrities are like untouchable. Like really, like they have no yeah, idea. They do local radio. You yeah, know what they, they do? They have no idea this person oh to the left and this person to the right. They don't know who they are. They don't know who I am. They don't even know who you are. Emma, you know what you have? You have a, you know, you have a victim mentality because <laughs> if you were good at your job as a booker, yeah, <laughs> you wouldn't see these blocks. They're just like you. They're human beings. I don't know why you can't book this. Yeah, I've had that exact same. Let me get before. on that. Let me call LA now. I'm sure they are like foaming at the mouth to be on this show. Well, they're well, not. It never out. happened. It never happened. I think I went back like the, a week later. How's it going with the Brad Pitt, Jennifer Aniston? Great. Yeah, great. yeah, yeah. Going awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Waiting for a call back. And I think I was gone the next week. Oh my god! <laughs> it was a setup. It was like they a set setup. For sure, they set you up. Oh my god! Let me tell you how I left, and then we'll wrap this up. Okay. Uh, check this out. I get called into a restaurant on Labor Day. I'm oh, on no, vacation. No, no. You never go to a you never go to a meeting when your boss invites you to a public place because that's yep. just like Terry, it, it's Jerry Maguire. They're gonna fire you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> guy's name was mark sherman i love the man we we still talk he was a he was a great guy and i know he didn't want to fire me because he personally loved me but he was told to get rid of me so yeah. they called me into a breakfast joint and he said food. uh hey you know you have had uh, every record you've broken them all but here's the thing the corporation is going to shift we're going to take the alternative station a little lighter. Uh, we're going to take mix a little uh, edgier. And we're going to, you know, even take the softer station and make it a little bit more pop. Which makes no sense. Which basically just says, hey, we don't know what we're doing. We yep. don't know how to format our channels. Right. We're going to take something that works and we're going to make it slightly this way. And we're going to take something yeah. else that works and make it this way. And da, da, da. Right. Well, and you know, the thing about it was they had eight stations there and they were making hundreds of millions of dollars every year with, you know, with those stations. So we should mess with it. We should yeah. The last year I was there, the station made $32 million Crap. and that oh, was yeah. a long time ago. Yeah. So check this out. He said, uh, we're going to have to let you go. Uh, we're going to take a different direction and uh, thanks for your, your service. And I said, well, you know, it's been a good run. I said, you know, I got some time left on my deal. 
uh, I assume you're going to write me a check at some point. I said, <laughs> when can I leave? And he said, well, you can start looking. I said, okay. In one day, I had three job offers. Right? <laughs> <laughs> one day. So I go in the next day and I start cleaning out my shit. Yeah. Right. And they said, well, wait a minute. What are you doing? I said, I got a job. Yeah. They said, it's only been one day. Right? <laughs> I said, that's okay. I said, I'm ready to go. They said, where are you going? I said, well, I'm going to go to Minneapolis. And I had another job offer in Memphis, Tennessee, and another job offer in San Antonio. The one I really wanted was San Antonio, not Minneapolis. They said, well, you can't leave. You got to finish your deal. And I'm like, you didn't say that. You said I could look. I mean, I already got a fish on the hook here. You know, yeah. what are we going to do about that? And he goes, well, they can't have you yet. And I go, yes, they can. And they said, no, you can't. And here comes the lawyers. Yeah. I'm like, oh, God. So then I got to call up here and say, you're going to have to wait. I'm sorry, but they're not letting me out. And the company says, well, how long do you think it's going to be? And I said, I'll drive them crazy. So every day at 9 a.m. when I got off the air, I went to the GM's office and I sat in the chair. And when he walked in, there's his little secretary there. And I'd say, good morning. How are you doing? And then uh, here comes the GM. And he says, hey, what can I do for you? I said, well, you know, I was told I could leave. And uh, now you're saying no, uh, that I had to wait. Is today the day? He goes, today's not the day. <laughs> Next day I'd see him. Hey, here I am again. Is today the day? And he's like, no, today's not the day. And then he eventually just stopped even answering me. He just walked into his office and shut the door. Right. But I did that until they finally let me go. I lost two months of severance pay. And I'm just like, I don't care. Keep your money. You got plenty, whatever. Goodbye. It's and like a I, bad, it's like a bad relationship. They don't want you, but they don't yeah. want you to sleep with anybody else. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and I got my Volvo and off I came all the way to Houston, uh, from Houston, Texas to Minneapolis. Uh, and then I had a career here of 17 years. Amazing. Um, you know, I went on the air with uh, Stacy and uh, we had ratings that were unfreaking believable. Yep. Uh, when I came here, my goal was to get 95 number one books and I did it. And that's pretty amazing. Amazing. And, and let me just tell you this. I couldn't have got any of those books. But I wouldn't have had producers like Emma, like Hobbs, like, you know, Crisco, like Ryan. Beaker. I mean, I Beaker. I mean, we won a Marconi award with a guy that never went on the air at all ever with us. Yeah. Right. And he yeah. was amazing. My boss didn't want our producers on the air. I always wanted the producer on the air. Totally. I mean, in, in Houston, we had like six mics hanging around because we had so many people. We had Rosie on traffic. We had Rex on uh, uh, Rex on traffic, Rosie doing news, Emma on a mic, my partner on a mic. And then we had guests. Interns, I mean, we, interns on the mic. Yeah. We had, we had like a room. It was like a room full of mics. He does this at home. That's why P Jug's on this show. John, he's got him in the garage. Yeah. You never know who's going to be the next breakout star. All right. Well, Emma Villanueva, it's been my pleasure to know you, to love you, to get back in touch with you. Always. And uh, thanks for all, sharing all your stories. P Jug, you know how I feel about you, woman. <laughs> Yes, thank you. Yeah, she it's been care. fun. Thank you so guys nice so to meet much. You, Emma. Pleasure so to nice. meet all of you. Uh, Larry, I love you. You know that. Love you like my luggage. 
you're the best. Uh, you're one of the loves of great radio loves of my life. Oh, that's sweet. Like the podcast, share the podcast, tell your friends, tell your mama. Moon P. Jagan Hobbs.